So then I dropped some garlic and croutons on there, and the rest is salad history. I made the best salad ever, people. And now I'm making the best app. The Caesar Sportsbook app got live in-game betting, parlays, and Caesar rewards. Caesar salad ain't got nothing on my app. Nothing. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat 1-888-532-3500. Download the Caesar Sportsbook app. Your app is ready, Emperor. You know I'm right. Nick Durst here with Joe Calabrese. And Joe, it's not every day that we can welcome on an expert in counting to three. And he also is an author who published a book about his life and career called The Three Count, My Life in Stripes as a WWE Referee. And the foreword was written by Edge. It was released April 1st, 2013 by ECW Press. Edge, of course, in the Royal Rumble this year. We'll get to that. But Joe, why don't you tell everybody who our guest is? Absolutely. Uh, he is currently a broadcaster uh, for Sportsnet uh, in his post-WWE career. Uh, he is a longtime WWE referee and still does refereeing now, uh, but he is one of the more famous wrestler uh, referees in WWE history. We welcome Jimmy Corderas. Jimmy, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, thank you, guys. I'm doing as well as I can, I can be, considering the circumstances, doing my best to, uh, I hate to call it this, but I've labeled it anti-social distancing. So <laughs> There you go. Yeah. So, Jimmy, we're, we're excited to have you on. Of course, we got the Royal Rumble this weekend, so we will discuss that. But first, I wanted to know, who were your favorite wrestlers growing up, and how did you fall in love with the industry? Uh, interesting. See, up here in Canada, especially in Toronto, uh, when I was a youngster, just to give you an example of how old I am, I was uh, around when the Leafs last won the Stanley Cup, so if that tells you anything. But anyways... <laughs> We were fortunate enough up here before the, uh, you know, the territorial war, so to speak, that we got so much wrestling on television. Like, obviously, locally, it was Maple Leaf wrestling. Uh, the Tunnies were in charge and, you know, they got talent mainly from the Carolinas, from Mid-Atlantic, but they got from AWA, from everybody. Uh, but we had so much on television to watch as well. And uh, for some reason, I just gravitated towards wrestling. I, I enjoyed at the time, I guess now looking back at it, I guess I was enthralled by the characters and, and, and you know what I mean? I, was, I bought into the product. I liked the baby faces. I didn't like the heels, that kind of stuff. And, and when you're young, you're more impressionable. And, you know, it, we had a lot of wrestling up here and I, I enjoyed it. My weekends were like between, between hockey night in Canada on Saturday nights and all kinds of wrestling on television. It was a dream come true for me. So, Jimmy, I work for NHL.com, so I have to ask you, uh, do you feel good about the Leafs' chances this year to finally break the drought? Uh, I don't know if I feel good. I'm kind of on the fence with that one. Uh, let's be honest. I, I'm hopeful, like every, other, like every year since 1967. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm, to be honest with you, I think it's going to be tough. Uh, it, it really is. Well, I really hope that we get to see Austin Matthews and John Tavares finally break through. They're very well deserving, and of course, the fan yeah. bases as well. But mm-hmm. obviously, the Leafs have a drought, but in general, Canada has a drought. It's been a long time since the Canadian team won the Stanley Cup, and this year, the chances might be better with the Canadian division. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. But at the same time, like I said, there's a lot of good teams out there. Just, oh, man. And, and like you said, it's a Canadian division, so each team's going to play each other a lot. It could be very – it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. No doubt about it. So I want to know, did you want to be a wrestler, and how did you end up getting started in the wrestling business and ultimately becoming a referee? Uh, it's, it's weird. I kind of had this – you know, when you're young, you have these dreams and these aspirations and thinking, man, maybe one day I could become a professional wrestler. It looks like a cool profession. But at the same time, I didn't know if I was physically able because I, I, you know, I was watching it. uh, 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 For lack of a better term, I ended up, when I was old enough to go on my own to Maple Leaf Gardens, I got what would be the equivalent of season's tickets. And I was second row ringside. And in in Toronto, they used to have that ramp that was level with the ring that went from the, uh, the entryway to the ring, which was awesome. And I sat right beside that ramp. So what I started doing was taking pictures. And I would take pictures and I would come back the next show and there was a, um, a 
film developing place up here. For those of you who don't know, you had to get your film developed back in the day. It didn't just we know we're old, we're old enough. <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm, I'm having fun here, but uh, I would I would you double your prints for a dollar, so I would save a set for myself, but I would come back and sell the other set uh, two dollars a picture, and it would it would pay basically for my it would fuel my wrestling habit. Let's put it that way, and and I thought maybe this would be a good way to get introduced into the industry and become a wrestling photographer because I saw a guy that was ringside taking pictures and I thought hmm you know maybe that's something I can do no doubt about it so Nick's going to take your time into WWF WWE soon but I wanted to ask you uh I have a friend uh who is an indie wrestler he wrestles in and around here in the New York City area he wrestles in Jersey mm-hmm. he's driven to Pennsylvania driven down to Virginia driven down to Florida up to Massachusetts he's made all the rounds um so I've got to see like his like promotion over here that we have in the uh, the city area firsthand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my question is, obviously, times have changed, but for somebody out there who has your line of thinking, who doesn't feel like they could be a pro wrestler but wants to be in the industry and maybe wants to work as a referee, maybe an interviewer, maybe a broadcaster. Uh, so what would you, what do you think the best strategy is, and what trajectory do you think is the best for people in that position now? Oh, that's very interesting. It's it, like, like you said, it is very difficult now because um, there's so many restrictions now, especially with travel and that sort of thing. So, so the options are limited for actual in-ring talent. Uh, I think the best thing to, to do is to um, reach out to others. Like if they, if they feel like refereeing there, you can, you know, um, I'm not saying it's easier than being a wrestler, but it's, 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 it's difficult in a different way. You know, you have to learn not to be the center of attention. Whereas when you're a professional wrestler, you, you want people to be focused on you and you telling your story. As far as broadcasting goes, that again comes with, um, with learning from others and, and lots of practice, whether it's sitting in front of a, a computer screen and watching a match and, and, you know, turning off the volume and, and practicing with someone else and, and someone who maybe if you have a friend who's in the industry who can help you out too, but it, a lot of it is like everything else. You learn from others who have done it. And that's, that's basically my strategy. What I've been doing for my entire career with everything I've done is try to be a sponge and always learn. You never stop learning from those who have done it. So 1985, you ref your first match at the Maple Leaf Gardens. Two years later, you joined WWF. Who was instrumental there in getting you to WWF and what was that process like making the move over there? Oh, it, interesting. The, um, like I said, I used to go take the pictures and I would sell them outside Maple Leaf Gardens and the fella, his name was Elio Zarlenga. He was the guy who was in charge of the program at Maple Leaf Gardens. It was called Stranglehold, interesting enough. But he also took the pictures at ringside uh, uh, for the program and for the promotion. He caught me outside Maple Leaf Gardens selling the pictures. And he said, uh, hey, how much are these pictures? I said, they're two bucks each. He says, well, you can't sell them. And I'm like, what are you, a cop? <laughs> I said, no. And he explained who he was and stuff like that. And he started explaining all this copyright stuff. And he said, uh, you know what? It's illegal. And I don't want to be a bad guy here. But if you're going to sell these, just move down. Don't do it right in front of the building. Just, I guess, you know. And then I ran into him at an indie show here. Uh, in Toronto and we started talking and stuff like that. And he said, how do you feel about maybe becoming a photographer for the promotion? I said, I would love that. He says, I'll go talk to Jack Tunney and see what happens. And then I got a meeting with Jack Tunney and uh, basically he said, well, we don't need another photographer, but we'll find something for the kid to do. And uh, he hired me on to be like, um, for lack of a better term, I'm going to call it gopher, but if someone needed to be picked up at the airport and brought to the arena, if someone, you know, and, and whatever needed to be done, I was the guy that was basically uh, asked to do it. So you're, you're, rough, you're rough for over 20 years. What were some of your favorite wrestlers to ref, to ref their matches for? Oh, my goodness. Uh, where do I start? Where do I begin? It, it, there were so many over the years. You mentioned Edge, for example. Like, kind of cool, uh, you know, me refing at WrestleMania 6 at the Sky Dome here in Toronto and him being a fan in the audience and then getting to referee his match, uh, you know, his main event match at WrestleMania, at WrestleMania 24 with The Undertaker, speaking of another guy who's so cool to ref his matches. Uh, man, like I said, where do I get uh, Eddie Guerrero? 
uh, Owen Hart, all the, the late great Owen Hart. There just so many. I I don't know where to end to begin. Roddy Piper was a, was a, was a, was fun and challenging as well. Um, Stone Cold, The Rock. You, you look at all these great names, and and I and I keep thinking back. And now that you mention it, I keep I'm thinking now, and I'm going. I can't believe I was in the ring with these huge superstars. It's amazing. Was there anybody that? was challenging to ref that just didn't get it at times. Ooh, um, challenging to ref. Some of the, oh man. Did you do any like celebrity angles where celebrities come in where those things type of harder to, to ref? Uh, very little of those because uh, those were, whenever the celebrity was brought in, they, you know, Earl Hebner or, or Timmy White, would, the, the most veteran guys would be assigned to those because they're, they're more able to handle the situation and be less stressed <laughs> whereas I would, you know, like I was in the ring at the time when, when Stone Cold and, and Mike Tyson went face to face and it was a cool moment. But at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, how do I stay out of the way, but also do what I'm supposed to do? You know what I mean? Not, not be a distraction, that kind of stuff. But that kind of stuff was mostly left. The one thing I get called out for a lot, though, is when Drew Carey entered the Royal Rumble and he offered all that money to Kane and it got slapped out of his hand. It's sitting there right in front of me. I'm, there's a, you can see me down in the corner kind of scooping up all the cash. I did give it back. I did give it back. What are some of your... Quality and politeness, right? Uh, hey, I, I knew there were cameras all over the place. They, see, they, I, they must have got me scooping up all the cash, so I had to give it back. It's like kind of went, like what, well, when Devon was brother Devon, he was going in the crowd, getting money, and he was keeping it, so... Well, why not? Hey, if they're giving it up, what the heck? All right. So what were... What's your favorite type of match to ref? Is it a regular match, you know, triple threat, tag team, or gimmick matches with stipulations and whatnot? No, I, I, I like straight up wrestling matches. That, you know, they're the ones that tell uh, the story. I mean, like, obviously, other matches with stipulations involved, whether it's a, a false count anywhere, a last man standing, whatever it is, those tell different stories and stuff like that. But for me, a traditional wrestling match where two guys get in there, or two girls, or whoever it may be, get in there and have a hell of a match and tell a heck of a story. And, you know, that's, that for me is it, what I prefer anyways. So you just mentioned that you were in the ring for the Tyson and Austin segment, which is, I mean, quite possibly one of the five biggest segments that has ever happened in the history of the company. And so that's gotta be so exhilarating to be there for, even though obviously you weren't doing it necessarily, you know, counting the one, two, three, uh, so what are your other favorite moments that you can recall off the top of your head? And what were your favorite matches uh, to ref through the years? Oh, my goodness. Uh, again, uh, moments of the year. Uh, like I said, the, getting to referee a main event at WrestleMania. I mean, like, that's incredible. The Undertaker versus Edge and a little backstory there. I wasn't originally scheduled to referee that match, but um, it was Edge and Undertaker who actually uh, requested me for the match, which made it even uh more the been thinking about mcdonald's all day can't get it off my mind i can already taste it Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some mickey d's deal there's a deal for every moment at mcdonald's right now get two of your favorites for just 350 mix and match a classic mcchicken a hot and spicy mcchicken or a juicy mcdouble price and participation may vary cannot be combined with combo meal single item at regular price uh, more of a blessing for me but at the same time more nervous going in going okay they wanted me for this match so i better not mess this <laughs> you know kind of thing um but there's so many more i mean like getting to be a part of the the um, the TLC matches that, that became so popular. And uh, there was a SummerSlam match. I forget the year. I want to say 2001. I could be wrong. 2001, 2002. Rey Mysterio and Kurt Angle. It just, you know, when everything just feels so right, it's amazing. And, um, ah, man, uh, tons of matches with Eddie when he was going through that lie, cheat, and steal era it was just so much fun to, to, to just kind of let him do his thing and, 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 Again, I was having almost as much fun as he was doing it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I don't think there are many guys better in the history of the company who really got everybody involved in what they did. Mm -hmm. Whether it was the people, the other people working at ringside, the fans, people in the back. Uh, Eddie was really powerful like that. Absolutely. Jimmy, what is your favorite or was your favorite pay-per-view to officiate? Would it be WrestleMania? And if so, what was your favorite WrestleMania? 
Uh, uh, it's got to be WrestleMania. I mean, like that's that's the uh, I hate to say it, the granddaddy of them all. I hate to sound so, uh, you know, you know, tagline ish. But at the same time, it is the biggest event of the year. And like like I said, you know, getting to to referee a main event at WrestleMania is just it's it's as much of an honor for for the referee as it is for the talent who are actually, you know, putting on the match. So. But also, I, I think back to a match I did at WrestleMania in L.A. with, um, again, picking Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio, which was which was fun because, you know, that kicked off the show. That opened the show. Sometimes the opening match is almost as important as the Absolutely. as the main event. Obviously, the main event is very important, but, you know, you have to kick it off right, too. And I thought that match was awesome. So when it comes to big matches, especially WrestleMania, how much were you actually in the know about big spots? the finishes and you know knowing where to be in the right position or how to know when someone's not actually hurt and make sure you're just going along with the script there. Yeah. Uh, well, very, very much in like uh, when the match is being um, talked about, I'm in the room and I'm just like, I'm sitting there, I'm listening to everything. So I know what to expect. And at the same time, try to, it, try to process in my head. Okay. I know this is coming, but don't make it look like, you know, what's coming. You know, try to make it look spontaneous and, and stuff like that. So I was pretty much in the know for everything in, in those matches. But at, and uh, what was the second part of the question? Sorry, again. Just like, how do you, how do you know what, you know, the spots, uh, the finish, you know, mm -hmm. making sure you're in the right, the right place. And especially yeah. when they oh, you know, have and, the ref take bumps and whatnot. Not, and, and, and making sure that the talent's not injured and stuff right. like that. The best way to do it is to, you know, to go over there and, and check with them. And there, we have a way to check with them without uh, being vocal there's a, there's a procedure which i don't want to give away because then if Squeeze i do the then everybody's gonna be uh, uh hey 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 brother uh, <laughs> but but you know what i mean yeah right. so you check and you see and then you know it, it's different nowadays because back in the day we weren't able to communicate back to gorilla now they can oh which is yeah so so it's it's a two-way you could do a two-way conversation so it's a, it's a little bit better now but uh yeah and they would let you know if they were if they were hurt or not that's a good lead-in for my point that i want to follow up nick with here which is um so obviously there's stuff that happens on the fly very mm -hmm. spontaneous whether it's you know somebody getting injured in a match or something mm -hmm. uh so how what percentage of everything that happened when you were in the ring doing your job uh how what percentage would you say was stuff that you kind of needed to improvise on the fly uh, because one of those very rare situations came up uh, and uh, no, I'm sorry. So go on. No, no, no. Uh, sh sorry. Say that again. I, I, I got, uh, so no, I wanted to know how, what percentage of everything that you've ever ref was kind of on the fly where you had to improvise and do stuff like oh, possibly very, make best very, yeah, very tough to put a number on it. Like uh, uh, m most of the stuff I kind of had an idea what was coming up and a lot of times uh, a lot of the improvisation in a match didn't lead to injuries. So I, I was okay with that, but, and I was fortunate enough not to be in a lot of situations where there were a lot of injuries. So um, if I had to pick a number, it'd be very low. It'd be very low. Do you think Chad Patton had any idea what was going to happen there between Undertaker and Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? Um, I, he must've, I mean, like I, I don't, I a big match like that going in there. Um, you know, I obviously I haven't spoken to him about it, so that's why I don't know. But my guess would be he'd have to know, well, because if he didn't, then right, man, it's a tough, tough spot there. Uh, yeah, for him now, specifically with the Royal Rumble, uh, I want to know, you know, how, what do you guys, the referees, as a bunch of you outside of the ring, know about who's going out when? You know, how, how are, is every elimination scripted and booked out in order, or is it kind of just like? You know, you go out after a, this amount of time, and then we get to the final four, and then we gotta really, we really write it out there. No, it's it's pretty much uh, decided order of entry and order of exit. Uh, um, a lot of stuff is done. Uh, not everything is actually okay. This is how we're gonna do it. But uh, you know, uh, the best way to remember is who goes out before you when it's your time to go out. Right. Is the best way to remember. But yeah, yeah, uh, the order of entering is 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 set and also the order of elimination and when it comes down to the final four then that's when stuff gets cool 
yeah, I think I think that's uh, it's interesting, and you never know how things are going to happen. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Joe asked you about on the fly. Mm-hmm. Would Daniel Pewter have broken Kurt Angle's arm if you did not count to three? Ooh, I would like to say no, but I don't know. I mean, he had it locked in. It was pretty good. And and knowing Kurt Angle back then, he, there was no way he was going to tap, give out, anything like that. He would rather lose his arm than, than tap her. So, um, again, it was one of those situations where um, that was something that was on the fly right. that happened. I mean, like uh, Kurt went into business for himself and called out whoever I, wanted to come into the ring and, and challenge him. And when Pewter came in, I looked at Al Snow and uh, Charles and I both looked at Al Snow, Charles Robinson. And Al kind of gave us that look and went, what do you want me to do? Kurt's going to do what Kurt's going to do. And and then they were tussling around and he got him into that Kimura or key lock. Is that what it's called? Kimura lock, yeah. lock. Yeah. And not being well-versed in MMA, I knew that it was a submission hold. But at the same time, I just thought to myself, the first thing that came to my head was, how do we end this? And then when they went down to the ground, I just, it was like, okay, I'm just counting. Just, and, and yes, people say he lifted his shoulder or whatever, but I, I was counting regardless anyways. And, uh, you know, thinking back on it, I said, I said, to, I said to Charles afterwards, I said, well, it was kind of an ama- amateur match anyways. I could have just counted one, <laughs> but uh, sure. Yeah, but I think there would have been a lot of damage done if it was allowed to continue any further. Yeah, and that ultimately led to him winning uh, the Million Dollar Tough Enough. We all know mm-hmm. the big star from that show, of course, is The Miz, who still mm-hmm. around there. And uh, But was Angle annoyed or heated at Pewter, or was he just annoyed at the, the host segment in general? Was there heat on Daniel afterwards? I know, I know he was not happy with Daniel Pewter, but at the same time, he just wasn't happy that, uh, I think more that he got caught than anything else. Cause I didn't, you know, I kind of stayed away from him after that for a little while. <laughs> I didn't want to be around because I kind of figured he'd be a little hot, so to speak. So I, I don't know. All I know is when I got to the back, um, uh, Gerald Briscoe, who was Manning girl at the time, as I was walking through quickly, cause I don't, didn't know what to expect. Just gave me a quick thumbs up as I walked through and I ran into Fit Finley and had a little conversation with him about it. And that was it. You know, I just said, like, okay, that's it. I, I don't want to think about this anymore. So I want to follow up by bringing up another uh, heated event that changed the course of pro wrestling forever, which was the Montreal screw job. Mm. Now, we've heard the stories from all angles on, from their perspectives. Mm-hmm. But for the people that were working backstage, like the other referees, other uh, agents who were there, mm-hmm. What was the feeling like backstage uh, seeing what had transpired in the ring? And then obviously you had the incident where Brett spit at Vince. He went mad afterwards. Nobody really knew what was going on. Everybody mm-hmm. got Sean out of the building very, very quickly. So nobody had an inkling of what was really happening. What was it like mm-hmm. living through that? Uh, it was it was surreal. I, I didn't see I'd never experienced anything like this before in my life. And, and you know, you talk about, you know, the old school days where people got screwed over and stuff like that. Um, I never expected anything like that to happen. So I was at Gorilla watching because we were told the finish was going to be a big double BQ, a big schmoz, whatever, you know, and the referees would run down and kind of break things up. So as I was watching it happen at Gorilla on the monitor, I'm thinking like, what the heck is going on here? And after it happened, you know, it took a while to process, but we kind of figured it out. And, and again, uh, I, I was doing double duty at the time. Not only was I a referee, but I was also assigned with the ring crew as well. So we had to tear down the ring afterwards. So it was kind of like we were out there doing our our business, which kind of kept us away from what was going on behind the scenes. So I know that a lot of guys were very upset and a lot of guys were talking about quitting and stuff like that. And some guys boycotted Raw the next night. And um, I guess cooler heads prevailed, for lack of a better term, but... It, it was it was a tough, not only night, it was a tough few days because we did Raw the next night and we taped SmackDown. and It was a tough couple of days, man. Certainly, you can imagine the intensity there. Now, I wanted to ask you about when we have surprise returns or a surprise partner there. Uh, I'm assuming 
you know, all the parties involved in the match know, like I'll use the Hardys returning at WrestleMania, for example, like they had to have known they were going to be in the match, but how do you, how do you, you know, as a ref, uh, go about proceeding and getting ready for that? Cause you're, you know, they're hiding at a trailer all day. How are you speaking mm-hmm. with them to know like what to expect? Uh, it, it, it's like anything else. You kind of, uh, you, you, you go to them. Even though they're hiding, you go to them, you find out if they're, they need anything, is there anything that you need to be aware of that they're going to do and stuff like that. So the only difference is they're not actually there with everybody else. It's, it's like they're kind of like, like you said, hidden on their own, but you, and you go to them and find out what you need to know from them. Interesting. Do you think we'll ever see another referee strike angle? We know you were right in the, the center of that and you got taken out. The rest were not happy. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It'd be kind of cool to see it happen again. I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, again, interesting story on on uh, how I became the one that did not follow the guy, uh, the other guys that go on strike was uh, this angle occurred on the two weeks I was away on my honeymoon. I just oh. got married and when I got back, you know, I found out about this because obviously you're not going to watch wrestling on your honeymoon or you wouldn't be married too long. But anyway, so when I got back, Hunter joked to me. Uh, he said, hey, Corduroy. He used to call me Corduroy. was his nickname. Welcome back. Uh, hope you had fun on your honeymoon. Too bad you guys are on strike now and you're not getting paid. Ha, ha, ha. So I just looked at him uh, and just said as, as, as a joke, I said, yeah, I know. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Don't mind me, just sneaking out to go to Kohl's. The home deals right now, they're too good to pass up. Like up to 40% off Cuddle That's Bedding, up to 50% off the cutest fall decor, and up to 25% off Ninja Kitchen Appliances. How can I resist? You can even get 15% off or 15, 20, or 30% off with a Kohl's card. So yeah, I'm going all in for fall, and I can't even wait. Select styles, offers end October 17th. Some exclusions apply. See store Kohl's account for details. No, but I can't afford to go on strike. I just got married. Then he started laughing and he went, oh, wait a minute. And then he disappeared. And then he, I guess he went and talked to somebody. And next thing you knew, I was the, the only regular referee who did not, who became a scab, so to speak. That's the line. I will let you know, Jimmy, I got married in 2019. I did go to Hawaii and I was watching Raw on SmackDown on my computer. Oh. So, but it was six hour time difference. So it was, I, got, I was able to get away with it. It wasn't like, all right, I can't go to dinner. I got to watch Raw. It was like two o'clock in the afternoon or I'd watch it later on delay. So wife was not happy about it though. You are correct. So <laughs> she, yeah, yeah. she was not happy. Who would you consider to be the greatest referee of all time? Wow. See, that one's a tough one. The, the greatest of all time. I, I, I couldn't pick just one, but I will tell you the first referee that got me, in, you know, interested in referees and got me noticing referees was Tommy Young. Tommy Young was, uh, was one of those ones that, you know, um, he didn't, he, he, I noticed him without him being a distraction, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. he, so, but, but you look through the years, there are some great referees. I mean, like, look, you have the, obviously the Hebners, you have Timmy White, you have, you have the Kyotas, you have, um, uh, you know, the Nick, pa- Charles Robinson, uh, so many. But uh, the one that got me interested in refereeing, actually, because who actually made me think, hey, maybe maybe this would be cool, is, is uh, Tommy Young. So we all know that Charles Robinson was Ric Flair's guy, his referee. Mm-hmm. Were you anybody's guy where they were like, if I'm having a big match, I want to make sure I got Jimmy in there with me? Uh, if I was, nobody told me about it, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I don't know, like, but like I said earlier, just being requested for that main event match at WrestleMania with Edge and Undertaker, uh, man, that's, 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 that's the biggest honor anyone could ever have in my opinion. No doubt about it. So let's transition here to kind of present day here. Obviously everyone knows, you know, you're doing 
the Aftermath television program uh, for the score you previously did right after wrestling on Sirius XM. Um, mm-hmm. We got to give praise here to Art Kahl because he really has made a tremendous impact on the industry, not only with this show, but without him, there's no talk and smack. There's no raw talk. There's no WWE backstage. And who knows, we might have never seen Renee Young become as big as she, as she did. So what can you say about the brainchild that is Arda? Uh, Arda's just, a, he, he's a great mind for, for the promotion of, of wrestling slash sports entertainment, whatever label you want to put on it. He has some great ideas. It's just, um, some, you know, there's so many of them. It's like, you can't do them all. So you have to kind of filter through everything. And, and, you know, getting to work with him, that's, that's like, you, like I said before, you learn from others. I learned so much from Arda that, that it's incredible. And, and the one thing I learned is never stop thinking of something new or, or expanding on something that's currently going on. And, and that's the one thing I'm trying to do currently with the Aftermath brand up here to continue his legacy by trying to expand the, uh, what we do. So when Arda approaches you, to, to join him with right after wrestling on Sirius. Mm-hmm. Um, then ultimately he says, Hey, come on over to the score. We're going to do this aftermath show. Right. What were you thinking at that point in time? Cause obviously you just, you kind of retired from the in-ring role and probably mm-hmm. were having some uncertainty as to your future in wrestling. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was interesting. Cause uh, like I met him at, at, at an indie show here and we got talking because he recognized me and I, and I recognized him from the score as well. So we, we, we talked and there was, I don't want to say there was a, a, an immediate connection because people might take that the wrong way, but we got along. It was like we, you know, and, and we started talking and he thought that it'd be a good idea for me to come on the show. And, and, you know, like I said, it was a learning process. It was a learning curve and, and having him there made it, made me so much more comfortable uh, transitioning into that role that uh, I, I basically, owe my current uh, status to his um, helping at the beginning. So Nick just mentioned Renee Young. Uh, Mm -hmm. Obviously her personality uh, is entirely infectious. You know, the presence Mm -hmm. absolutely flows through the screen. Uh, When you got to be around her, did you know how big of a star she was going to eventually be? I didn't know it, but I felt that she could be because uh, like you said, she had that personality and, and it's, it's genuine. You know what I mean? You could tell sometimes when it's not genuine with Renee, it's genuine. She's, you know, up, always upbeat and she works hard to, to learn because, you know, I don't, I can't say for sure how much of a wrestling fan she was growing up, but if she wasn't, boy, she took to it and learned a lot. And again, going back to what I say, you learn about what you're going to talk about. And, and she was awesome. She has a great personality. And I think it was WWE was a good fit for her and whatever she decides to do going forward, you know, whoever's lucky enough to land her. Awesome. Yeah. She's going to have a a lot of people come calling now now that she's Mm -hmm. not with WWE anymore. Uh, So I also wanted to ask you, did you have any reservations transitioning into the world of broadcasting and doing digital media stuff? Uh, Because most people will remember you for being the referee and Mm -hmm. you guys aren't really super vocal or anything. So uh, did anything cross your mind like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't do this? Or did you feel like, you know, this is something different uh, and you would decide to give it a shot? No, that's exactly what I thought. I thought this is a different avenue for me to take. Uh, like you said, nobody really listens and hears the referees, but this is going to be something different. And I have a bad habit. You ask anybody who I've ever worked with uh, and my wife that I'm my own worst cr- critic. Uh, I, I always feel like I could do better. And that's what I put into this. Like, like, like I said, you know, talking about wrestling is a lot different than actually doing it and expressing your opinions and stuff like that is actually a lot different than, uh, you know, thinking in your head, okay, here's what I liked about this match. Here's what I didn't like about this match. Now I got to put it into words and project it so that people understand why, you know, and, and it was a challenge at first, but like I said, the, the more comfortable you become doing it, you know, and uh, I'm not saying I, I'm, I'm perfect, but at the same time, I'm better than I was when I first started, and I'm happy. So from your time when you started with the company through now, who would you say are some of the better backstage announcers that truly add to the program? 
Ooh, backstage announcers. Uh, see, that one's tough because a lot of the times the backstage stuff, I don't pay attention to the announcers. I pay attention to the talent and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But uh, I, think, I think they're okay. I think that just sometimes I think they're overproduced a little bit. Yeah. I, I wish they would just let, let, let it feel more natural, let it feel like it's more of a flow as opposed to, you know, like, here's my question. Sort right. Of thing, so. uh, same responses but, but, and scary yeah. stuff. But that's why I like I really always appreciated like when Michael Cole was backstage or coach because mm-hmm. when they were doing stuff with The Rock, it actually felt like it was like you know kind of just random stuff and yeah. com- the comedy stuff for me always works with the backstage. Yeah, especially when you don't know what to expect, like you said with The Rock and stuff like that. Yeah, no doubt about it. So Jimmy, mm-hmm. of course, we got Royal Rumble this mm-hmm. Sunday. Got the Men's Rumble, the Women's Rumble. Of course, we have some big matches up and down the card. So first here, I wanted to get your thoughts on what you think we're going to see here in the Universal title match. Of course, Goldberg mm-hmm. is back, and every time he's come back to challenge somebody for a title, he's won. And you also have the Miz in play here, and Drew's coming off coronavirus. Mm-hmm. How do you see this, this match playing out and this angle and would the winner of this match impact who you think is going to win the men's Royal Rumble? Uh, definitely will. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, you can kind of make an argument for either guy winning the match, but I would prefer not seeing Drew lose the title here because uh, off of last year's WrestleMania with no audience, him beating Brock Lesnar, I think this would be a step backwards for him because he already lost the title to Randy Orton before getting it back. So I would like to see him go into WrestleMania as the champion to face whoever either comes out of the Royal Rumble or maybe even uh, uh, a returning, you never know, returning Brock Lesnar coming to get Yes. You know, and... I, uh, yeah, I really, it, we got to see Brock versus Roman with Brock as a face, I think. I mean, that's, that's, that would ooh, be great because... Ooh, that would be interesting. He's got, he's coming back for Heyman. And you know what? I always, and you were there when Lesnar came up uh, and was an j- absolute beast, but he does not get enough credit for how funny he was when he went solo and was face. And then when he was doing all this stuff, Freddy Guerrero, I mean, just look back when he won money in the bank a few years ago, he's, he's jamming out like a boom box. The crowd yeah. eats that stuff up. Amazing. Yeah. yeah I, very underrated in that regard. But when you, sometimes when you look like a, a, a badass, you have to, you have to act like one. But right. It, it just shows his range. He's able to do it. So who do you think is going to win the Royal Rumble? Oh, man. See, you know, right now, if you're talking betting, the chalk or the favorite right now is Daniel Bryan. Right. And I can see that happening right. because there seems to be a lot of emphasis being placed on the fact that, that the one thing he hasn't accomplished in the WWE is win a Royal Rumble match. So I, I could see him and maybe an AJ Styles. AJ right. AJ, AJ would deserve it, I think. I mean, he's, yeah. he's if anyone wants to get in the Rumble, they got to go through AJ first. Right. For, for me... Uh, and obviously, we're just talking here. I, for some reason, think if Drew wins and retains, we're either going to see Edge or Sheamus win the Raw Rumble. Ooh. Yeah. Well, she- well, Sheamus would be interesting, too, because, you know, him and Drew are buddies. Right. You know, right. but they also like to fight. So, yeah. you know, from a storyline standpoint, that would make sense as well. The only yeah. problem I have is who do you consider the good guy and the bad guy? See, uh, right. there's... It's, right. it's one of the issues I'm having with a lot of today's wrestling is that sh- the shades of gray. I prefer, I prefer there's a distinct good guy and bad guy, whether you like him or not. Right. I think we could also see edge versus Goldberg spear versus Ooh. spear because uh, who else is going to take on Goldberg unless, because well, obviously I haven't seen Keith Lee in a few weeks here, unless they want to uh-huh. you know, have Keith Lee and Goldberg. Cause who obviously it seems like Goldberg is going to be involved in some capacity at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not sure. Who do, you, who do you think is on the level of having a match with him at this point? Oh, man. Uh, it could. I, 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 wish, I wish I could, you know, come up with a name, but uh, who knows? Uh, I, I like that. Uh, maybe the Keith Lee thing, it doesn't sound too bad. You know, a win over Goldberg at WrestleMania, it, despite right. the fact that Goldberg is, 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 you know, advanced a little bit in years, it's still a big win for him. So a big na- over a big name. We definitely have to ask you about our guy, The Miz, who we think is extremely underrated. He's a Hall of Famer. I think he will certainly be the lead heel commentator on WWE programming once he retires and wants to do that. He has a tremendous reality show. Of course, Maurice from Canada as well. Uh, is he going to cash in again? Is he going to fail? 
Uh, obviously, if we're, we're talking Money in the Bank timeline here, if it's really one year, he's going to have about two weeks after WrestleMania before he, can, he has to surrender the briefcase to cash in. I just don't see how you could credibly, at this point, think he's going to cash in while he has Morrison by his side. It seems like Morrison is putting more like this comedy-type angle. And the mm-hmm. fact that Otis lost the briefcase to begin with paid, yeah, off, it- paid off JBL as an absolute crime. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. And, and who knows, maybe maybe there is an attempt by by Miz to cash in the money in the bank briefcase. And, and it is Morrison who actually, uh, whether intentionally or unintentionally, uh, screws him out of that opportunity and he doesn't cash in. So uh, we also want to ask you your uh, pick for the women's Rumble match, because uh there's a, I think, the possibility that we may see more surprises in the women's match than the men's mm-hmm. match. Possibly. Yeah, I, I know people are hoping for maybe a possibly returning Ronda Rousey or something like that. But um, my, I'm th- kind of thinking that maybe, maybe the winner of the women's Royal Rumble match ends up being Charlotte Flair. And she ends up taking on her tag team partner at WrestleMania, Asuka, for the Raw Women's Championship. I think that's a big possibility. Charlotte goes back to back. And uh, they could have their tag team title match at WrestleMania earlier in the night. Wouldn't that be something? That would be. Oh, well, it, it's over two nights, right? All right. One night they right. tag so, and then, yeah. Yeah, see? Mm-hmm. That'd be great. I think yeah. the, I think a betting favorite has to be Bianca Belair at this point, Ooh. just the way that, that she's being built up. But we can't really count that Alexa Bliss right now. It seems True. like. She could certainly be in the in the mix here, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how they they book everything. But mm-hmm. I think for this rumble, Raquel Gonzalez is going to surprise a lot of people. Ooh. I think she's going to be in there. She's going to eliminate a lot of people. And if they want to make her a star, you have yeah. her pick up Nia Jax and throw her out of the ring. Right. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. That that would be awesome. And and again, I I like surprises. And you mentioned Bianca Belair. The only thing is, I don't want to rush it too much. I'd like them to build her up even more before they give her that opportunity, if you if, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think Keith Lee is kind of in that same position. Yes. Uh, I think over the course of the next year, I think both those superstars are in the same boat because mm-hmm. I think there's immense potential in the both of them. Uh, but, yeah, so my pick for the Women's Royal Rumble is also Charlotte. I think it's mm-hmm. – Probably the obvious choice. I think it's the safest choice. And the Charlotte-Asuka match that they had at WrestleMania a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. uh, one of the best one-on-one women's matches in WWE history. Uh, so to do it again and give them both like you know a true WrestleMania rivalry, especially mm-hmm. as the women's tag champs, I think that's a great idea. That I, I like it. It, I'm, uh, it would be a good match, and it would be interesting. But like, like we said earlier, to have them tag on night one and then face each other on night two, I think that would be awesome. Jimmy, I think some of the most talented people in WWE right now, uh, and I'll, I'll name them, I'm not sure where they're going to go with these guys. Uh, I want to get your opinions. Velveteen Dream, who we mm-hmm. know John Cena is a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Elias, who we know John Cena and many people are a big fan of him and his music, of course. Uh, and him and Cena have been going at it for three WrestleManias now, for a, three WrestleManias essentially. Uh, and I want to ask you about Pat McAfee. Pat mm. McAfee, top guy in NXT. Um, and he's dedicated. I've never seen somebody come in right away and be able to do the things he's able to do in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. Very surprising. He's, he's awesome. He gets it. And that's part of the, the part of the, he gets uh, professional wrestling slash sports entertainment. And some guys are just naturals and he seems to be that natural. Um, as far as the other guy, Elias, again, he's, he's a total package. You have to have, um, I mean, there are guys out there and girls out there who are actually act- very talented in-ring performers, uh, but they don't have the total package. You-, you want people to get invested in you as a character, too, as well. Elias is a guy like that. Velveteen Dream um, is like that. His characters, uh, some people might say over the top, but at the same time, it's very entertaining and very, uh, it draws you in and that's what you want, uh, you know, and Sometimes you can sacrifice a little bit of in-ring as long as you've got enough character that will draw people in. And all three of the people you mentioned have the potential to be huge stars. It's just, again, it's how, how they are presented and without rushing them to that spot. No doubt about it. Now, I mean, they named the company after the guy, Walk With Elias. <laughs> and 
I've never seen, I mean, there was after WrestleMania a few years ago, I mean, he has everybody on Raw chanting, like, we are assholes or something. Like, you don't, that's, that to me just shows total star power. Um, hopefully something happens there with him. Mm-hmm. Last question for me here. Uh, I want to know, what do you think makes the most sense for John Cena to do at WrestleMania this year? Obviously, uh, there's some reports out there. They're going to have him because they want to have some fans in the stadium, which I think would be awesome. So, you know, people might be scared to come and, and, and you know, with everything. But you got the big names there. We're expecting to see Goldberg. You know, Edge is going to have a match. And now we're saying, oh, maybe we'll have something with John Cena. You think he should pick things up with Bray Wyatt or go somewhere else? Interesting, interesting, interesting. I don't know. Um, it's uh, maybe. Do you do you even need him to wrestle at this point? Uh, maybe just make yeah. an appearance of somehow. You mentioned Elias. You can have uh, John Cena do a wrap off versus a sing off. There we go. You know, like and, and have that kind of thing with a little bit of physicality, where where John doesn't have to actually get into a match, because right, right. now you know he's in that other career and he's trying to establish so. Maybe something along those lines would work. And then, you know. Yeah, because it's interesting. And I always thought we needed to get an Elias and Rock Rock concert, hopefully one day. But uh, now we got to wonder how does Cena come back? Because every time somebody faces the Fiend, they turn the other way. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of metamorphosis Cena has, if any. But I do think if he's going to beat an angle, it's got to be with Elias again. I mean, it's his go-to guy for WrestleMania. I think so. I think I think that's the way to go. Uh, the Fiend seems to be locked up with Randy Orton right now, and I think that's the direction it's going. So, uh, don't don't con- don't confuse everybody by integrating the two, if that makes sense. So I will chime in here, and I will mention uh, a quick point. Right, Hogan became mm-hmm. Hollywood Hogan. Rock became Hollywood Rock. Mm-hmm. I think if Cena comes back, I think he's going to follow along in that Ooh. same vein. Hollywood Ooh. Cena. Well, well, you know, like the the crowd today is 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 um, I don't want to say conditioned, but pretty much even though Cena would come back as a babyface, chances are they may boo him. So in that regard, maybe uh, it'll have the reverse effect, and people will start cheering him instead. So I don't yep. know, right. but it would be interesting to see him come back with a little more edge to him. Jamie, do you think if there are fans right now, Roman Reigns would be getting massive cheers? Uh, unfortunately, I want to, uh, I probably, th- because he is, man, he is in such a groove right now. You know, like years ago, fans would say, I want to see this guy get his butt kicked. Nowadays, people are too tuned into, oh my goodness, he's playing his role so terrifically. And I wish right. people wouldn't view it like that. I wish people would just suspend disbelief for a little bit like we used to back in the day and just say, man, he's such a arrogant right. SOB, you know, kind of thing. I hope he does continue to do awesome. something. I hope he continues to do something with Apollo Cruz because Cruz, I think, is one of the most talented guys in the ring. And if, mm-hmm. if you maybe put him as one of uh, Reigns' assassins or whatnot, and obviously right. when, when both <laughs> Usos are healthy, they'll both be there. But right. it's, uh, I think Roman could just continue to build out and, and help guys, just like the way anytime the Miz is with somebody, he elevates mm-hmm. them to the next level. You know, with the B Squad and. Right. Sandow and of course Alex Riley, A Ry, who hold his briefcase. So mm. Reigns could do the same for a guy like Apollo Cruz. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, the sky's the limit for Roman Reigns because, like I said, he has found something now. He's uh, again Captain Cliche here, firing on all cylinders, uh, hitting home runs both in and out of the ring, on the mic. He's just he, he is mm-hmm. he is in a zone. So. Nick is a huge fan of Elias, and obviously I'm a huge fan of Elias too. Uh, mm-hmm. But there, uh, one guy who I believe, you give him the ball, he's going to run with it, and then he's going to go to the stratosphere. If you give him the opportunity, I think is Big E. So mm-hmm. he's one guy who's always mentioned backstage. I know uh, it has come out through reports that Daniel Bryan is somebody who's a huge advocate of Big E and believes he can be a big star. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not to put you on the spot, but – is there one guy right now in WWE uh, could be a guy who's being used prominently, uh, but who's not at that like superstar type of level, uh, or could be maybe some guy who's kind of floating around the mid card right now, uh, maybe somebody in NXT. Is there one person who you see on WWE TV who you get that overwhelming feeling like if this person was pushed to the top, this guy would ultimately make Vince a lot of money? Well, I think you mentioned him. I think Big E can be that guy. Uh, again, I 
you just don't want to rush it too fast. I mean, I think the potential is there to have him be a guy you can build the company around. He's very personable. He's good in the ring. He's got everything going for him. It's just, again, you don't want to rush it. You want to build it. Take your time with it instead of, uh, uh, you don't want to risk that, hey, they're shoving him down our throat now because they see it in him kind of thing, you know? Right. Yeah, and I also wanted to ask you, uh, how much easier is it having your producers in your ear now than it is having Vince or somebody else right next to Vince in your ear? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, uh, Vince was very rarely, very rarely in communication with the referees because I know... uh, I think he knows that if he were the one to actually get on there vocally in the middle of a match, it might have some people go, you know what I mean? So, but I will say this, uh, obviously TV is a little bit different. uh, You know, um, you know what it was, it was generally Gerald Briscoe mostly or Bruce Pritchard or somebody like that. So it wasn't that bad having him in your ear. It's just every once in a while when they wanted to have a little fun with you, that was, you know, you start thinking to yourself, is he serious? (laughs) playing little rib yeah no totally understand uh and this was a lot of fun too jimmy uh thank you for coming on doing this we really really appreciate it uh it's the first time we've had somebody uh well the second time we've had somebody uh from wwe on with us we had scott stanford on uh, but this is the first time we've had somebody who was consistently working in the ring our goal in the future is to hopefully maybe be able to pry some uh, wrestler either current wrestler or former wrestler and have them on the show uh, we've considered Ryback, uh, other names we've considered, but mm-hmm. thank you again for coming on. Such interest, interesting perspective. We have last. Uh, so what we do here is we always give our guests the last words. Uh, mm-hmm. So if there's anything you would like to share or promote, uh, go ahead. The floor is all yours. Thanks again for doing this with us. And we oh. hope you and the rest of your family and friends stay safe uh, during the pandemic. Oh, thank you so much, Nick and, and Joe, for having me on. I very much appreciate it. I, I really enjoyed this chat and, uh, if you want to follow me uh, on my social media platforms, obviously uh, Twitter at Jimmy Corderas on Instagram at real Jimmy Corderas and also have a former WWE referee, Jimmy Corderas on Facebook um, every, every day weekday. I do a little thing called a ref and rant, which I, I it's a one minute video where I have a little bit of fun uh, critiquing something from, from, from wrestling. And it, it, that's what it's meant to be a little bit of fun. And of course up in Canada, but now across anywhere, because the Sportsnet YouTube channel, you can catch Aftermath with myself, the former Santino Morella, Anthony Corelli, Nug Nargang, and Kevin Mickey, where we uh, do our wins and fails for the week, and we do trivia and stuff like that, and have a lot of fun just talking wrestling. There you have it. Jimmy, thank you so much. We had a blast. Hopefully, the next time we speak with you, we're continuing to talk about some great storylines here. Who knows? Maybe we'll end up speaking to you on your show, The Aftermath, at some point. But we thank you so much. That would be really cool. And we are looking forward to the Rumble this weekend. So thank you very much. So that's going to do it here for this episode of Green on Right for our very special guest, referee Jimmy Cardaris, and for my co-host, Joe Calabrese. I am Nick Durst, and this has been You Know I'm Right. Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com.